We read from the Word of God, John 6, starting with the 27th verse. John 6, starting with verse 27. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. And then said they unto him, What shall we do, that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God that you believe on him whom he hath sent. They said therefore unto him, What sign showest thou then, that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven, and giveth life unto the world. And then said they unto him, Lord, Evermore give us that bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that you also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, and that of all which he hath given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. The Jews then murmured at him, because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he said, I came down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him. And I will raise him up with the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of God. He hath seen the Father. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. 
I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And then said Jesus unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father hath sent me, and I, as I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that the disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Doth this offend you? What then if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, and they are light. But there are some of you that believe not, for Jesus knew from the beginning that believe not, and who should betray him. And he said, Therefore I said unto you, that no man can come unto me, except it were given unto him from my Father. And that time many of his disciples went back, and walk no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, And will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believed and are sure that thou art that Christ the Son of the living God. Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? He speak of Judas, Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. Let's pray. And Lord, bless us in thy mercy and on thy grace over thy church. And cause us in this special morning 
And in these special circumstances, and now for the second time, we have been cast out of a regular place of meeting, cause us to forget things, if possible. And to unite our hearts on thy worship. For thy grace is sufficient, O Lord, even to do that. Uh, cause us to forget uh, the evil uh, that has been done unto us. For evil and corrupt it certainly is. Thou knowest, and we are assured in our hearts that thou knowest. And not only that, O Lord, uh, but we are sure uh, that even in this morning hour, uh, thou testifiest in their hearts and the hearts of those that have done this evil, that thy favor cannot be with them, no matter how they try and how they pray. And therefore, O Lord, we pray for them, and we ask of thee, that thou wilt give us grace to pray for them, and not to pray for them as if there were any grace for the wicked, for there is not, but to pray for them that they may, if it could be thy will, repent and confess, confess, O Lord, that they have corrupted the truth, as they clearly have, and as according to the very testimony of our churches they have. And that because they have corrupted the truth, they necessarily walk in a corrupt way. And therefore we ask of thee, O Lord, that thou wilt give them grace to repent, in order that they may see the evil of their way, and that they may return, if possible at all, return to the truth, which we have always confessed as a Protestant Reformed Church and which we still do confess. Uh, but we pray, O oh Lord, also for them that are not really our enemies, 
and that have not really done evil consciously to us, although they did. Uh, but for them that really do not know what to do, there must be many of those, O Lord, who pray what thou give them grace to stand and to fight to the good fight with us and to come back to the flock, to the church of Jesus Christ which they have left, and that we may rejoice when we see them and embrace them in true brotherly love, O God, in Jesus Christ our Savior. And now, O Lord, we pray, wilt thou give us grace to forget it. We pray, wilt thou give us grace to attend unto thy word that shall come unto us presently. Give us grace, O Lord, uh, to hear thy word and to believe and to receive it and to hear words of eternal life, words of thy everlasting covenant, words of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, Words that not only proclaim life, but words that give life. We cannot speak those words, O Lord, thou knowest, but Jesus can, and he does. We know he does. He has the words of eternal life, and he can speak them in such a way that we receive them, and that uh, we have them in our possession, and that and that we taste them. Oh God, give us that taste in order that we may be comforted and strengthened, that we may uh, walk before thee as thy people in the world. Remember us according to our individual needs, the strong and the weak and the wavering. And Lord, give us all a blessing. Every one of us, as we pray, give us a blessing a spiritual blessing, a blessing that can assure us of belonging to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who has delivered us from all the power of the devil and redeemed us and surely shall give us eternal life according to thy promise in the day of his coming. Bless us as we are here. Bless all that cannot be with us, O Lord. Remember them in mercy, the sick and afflicted, the boys in the service, some of whom are with us in this morning hour, for which we thank thee. Comfort them and strengthen them in their peculiar way and difficult circumstances in the midst of the world. Give them grace to be faithful even unto death and to stand in thy truth, and to confess thy name in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ in the midst of the world. We pray, wilt thou bless our consistory. And Lord, thou knowest it is awfully difficult for them, as it is difficult for thy servant. 
although thou givest them abundant grace to stand and to rejoice. Give them mercy, O Lord. Give them grace. Give them wisdom. Give them understanding in order not only to stand, but to know what to do in all these difficult circumstances and to commit their way unto thee in the way of thy church. Bless them, O God, for thy namesake. And bless our congregation with all its needs and wants and troubles and temptations and sufferings. We commit ourselves unto thee, O God, knowing that thou wilt bring it to pass, and that all things must work together for good to them that love thee, and surely for the salvation and coming of thy kingdom in the day of Jesus Christ our Lord. Bless our churches. Remember them because also they are concerned, O Lord. As some of us have already left us, and have already placed themselves outside of the Protestant Reformed churches, it is not impossible that others will follow them, in fact, very likely. But, O oh Lord, we pray, wilt thou bless our churches and cause them to stand, the churches which we love, in which through these years have gained a reputation, even in the midst of other churches, to be the Reformed Church, O oh Lord, we know it, and thou knowest. We thank thee for all thy blessings bestowed upon us in the past. Forsake us not, but be merciful unto us for thy name's sake, and cause thy kingdom to prosper and to come with power. And now we pray, wilt thou bless thy servant as he is called to proclaim thy word. Give him grace to be faithful, and not to say anything foolish, but simply to preach thy word, and grant that he, as he proclaims thy word unto thy people, uh, they himself may believe and receive, and uh, that he may rejoice in thy salvation with all that love thee. Amen. We call your attention to a passage of the Word of God on which uh, I preached in a very similar occasion, maybe 28 years ago, in Eastern Avenue. I mean, John 6, 67 to 69. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? And then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? And thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure uh, that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
Are these words, beloved, that treat as the main theme of Christ as the choice of faith. Christ as the sure choice of faith. And speaking on that, I'm going to call your attention to the question that occasioned that choice. Will ye also go away? Or, as I think the better translation is, will ye not also go away? Will ye not also go away? As the Dutch had it. Wilt gij niet in ook niet weggen? In the second place, on the choice of faith. And the third place, on the faith that chooses, and that inevitably chooses. Uh, but first of all, you understand, perhaps, my personal reasons, why I chose this text. I find in this text, beloved, in the first place, a comfort for myself. And I need it. And let me say, I have it. Don't have to worry about me. But nevertheless, I need the comfort of the Word of God. And that particular comfort I find and all the word of God, but for this occasion, especially in the words of my text. You can understand that, can't you? Here was an occasion, beloved, when all the people left Jesus. They left him. A great multitude. And left him all of a sudden. On the day before, he had performed the miracle of uh, the multiplication of the loaves and the fishes. And the multitude had been very enthusiastic. And they had uh, wanted to take him by force and make him their leader, their king. But Jesus had withdrawn himself. But that was the height, we might say, the height of his popularity in Galilee. And now look, the day after, they all left him. They all departed from him. And Jesus, when the multitude had left him, he did not want to walk with him anymore as his disciples uh, Jesus addressed the question to his disciples, uh, Will ye not also go away? Now, beloved, uh, that is a very, very strong comfort for me. Naturally, when for the second time in my life, I am the one that has been cast out 
of his own place of meeting for the second time, something which undoubtedly hardly ever happens. What happened to me? Uh, don't you think I ought to ask the question uh, whether there is something wrong with me? Whether there is something wrong with my truth, with my preaching? I surely asked myself that question uh, 30 years ago, almost 28 years ago, and I asked myself the question again emphatically this time. I did. Uh, but, beloved, in spite of the fact that I very well know that all my work is imperfect. I know and I'm assured that I nevertheless preach the truth to you. For all these 33 years, I preach the truth and nothing but the truth. That's true. And therefore, when I look at this text, I find that after all, there is nothing, there is nothing strange in the fact that people leave you when you preach the truth. If one preached the truth, both perfectly as to contents and as to form. It certainly was the Lord Jesus. He preached the truth. No question about that. Nothing wrong with his principles. Nothing wrong with his preaching. Nothing wrong with his method. And yet, they left him. And they had to say to his disciples, Will ye not also go away? And therefore, beloved, I say that to you today. I do. Will ye not also go away? And certainly don't follow me. I am but a man of short breath. You cannot follow me. If you are here for the truth's sake, it's all right. But if you are not, I put this question to you. In all conscience and in all love, will you not also go away?
Why was it? Let's ask that. Why was it? That the Lord had to ask this question of his disciples. What was the trouble? Why had all these Galileans left him? That were so enthusiastic the day before. Why did the Lord meet with evidently complete failure in his ministry? Why? There are, beloved, to my mind, especially three answers to that question. If you read the context, three answers. And the last one of these answers is undoubtedly the most important. In the first place, it is evident from the context that while the Galileans sought earthly bread, the Lord proclaimed that he had no earthly bread, but that he was himself the bread of life. That, first of all, that's very evident from the context. Oh, when you come home, uh, read that whole chapter once from verse uh, 26 on. And you find that there is a very strange conversation there for a long time between Jesus and the multitude. And that for a long time it looks as if Jesus and the multitude agree. Uh, it looks almost for some time as if they talk about the same kind of bread, and yet they don't. Uh, they talk about bread, and Jesus talks about bread, and for some time it looks as if they mean the same kind of bread, even to such an extent, beloved, uh, that you'll find on a certain, at a certain stage of this conversation that they fall down before him and, and pray, Lord, always give us this bread. They like to have the Lord give them that bread. And yet, it wasn't true. They did not talk about the same kind of bread. They meant, they meant earthly bread. They meant the full dinner pair. They meant prosperity. That's what they meant. Nothing else. Oh, it seemed to them that a man uh, that could simply multiply bread and feed them was indeed uh, their proper leader and their king. They wanted to make him king. But now, all of a sudden, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. And they started. They started. What? What? Is this the son of Joseph? The captain? Don't they know him? What's the matter with that man? Then they start. In the second place, there is the, the reason uh, closely connected with the first that Jesus presented himself as the bread of life only in the way of a suffering and humiliation. Also that. He told the people, 
virtually, he told the people, I must die, I must suffer, I must be de- despised, cast away. Ye must eat my flesh, and ye must drink my blood. Only in the way of eating my flesh and drinking my blood can ye have eternal life. That was worth yet. How can it that man give us his flesh to eat, they say? They were offended. They were offended. Yet, beloved, uh, that is not uh, the most important reason, although, of course, they all connected these reasons. They all connected. But the most important reason is, uh, as is expressed in the immediate context, The most important reason is undoubtedly, after all, the same reason why we are here today, principally. Same reason. Jesus had told those people, first of all, all that the Father giveth unto me shall come to me. That was a positive expression. In the second place, Jesus had told them, no one can come to me except the Father draw him. That was partly negative. No one can come to me except the Father Dawn. And that he repeated in a very uh, immediate context. Therefore, 65, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except that you are given him of my Father. That was worse. That was worse. And that, beloved, is principally always the same question, the same principle, the same question concerning the truth. You can understand, these Galileans said, what? Can't we, can't we come to him if we want to? Jesus said, no, sir, you cannot come to me. Not if you want to. You cannot. I am unapproachable. No man can approach me. I am unapproachable. What they said? Are we not responsible beings? Where's our responsibility if that is true? If you, if you say that we cannot come, we cannot come, where's our responsibility? Are we stacks and blocks that we can do nothing? What a matter with you? We want it in our power to come to thee or to come not to thee. That's what we want. It's up to our choice. It's up to our act. That is the question. That was the main question. That was the main controversy. That was the main stumbling block, beloved. And that's the main stumbling block today for those 
all for all, the main stumbling block through all these 33 years that I preached unto you, and I may well say the main stumbling block for almost 40 years that I was preaching anyway. That was always, always the same story. Oh, they always came to me with the same objection. In 40th Street, Holland, the same thing. And they so hated it, beloved, that after one year of my ministry, they tried to cast me out. Today, after one year of my ministry, after one year of preaching, they said, who can hear this? This is a hard saying. And they want to take the parsonage and the church and the whole business away from me. They didn't succeed then as they did in 24. And as apparently, at least for the time being, they do now. But that's the thing. That's the same thing. The same truth, beloved. Don't you see? All that the Father giveth to me shall come to me. No one else can come to me. That's what the Lord said emphatically. No one else can. And they said, of course, what? Have we no power? Have we no mind? Have we no will? Are we stocks and blocks? Do, uh, do you not make us irresponsible beings? And so on and so forth. You can easily read it between the lines. Just read the chapter. That's what it. The eleven, uh, the twelve disciples left with Jesus. The others had all gone. The Lord said to his disciples, Now, will ye not also go away? That was a very distinct question. Notice, there's no inducement here. There's no inducement. The Lord does not say, we would almost say, beloved, what a reckless, what a reckless way of doing the Lord has. What, how reckless. How reckless. Here the whole business had left him. And now he says to his disciples, will you not also go away? Doesn't he, doesn't he understand yet that there's something wrong with him? Something wrong with his method, if not with his preaching? Don't, doesn't understand that yet? No inducement at all. He doesn't say, uh, well, disciples, uh, you've seen now how evil it is to leave me, and I uh, ask you, uh, stay with me, please. Not at all. Not even an admonition. Not one admonition. It doesn't say, I admonish you by all means, don't go that evil way. Oh, not at, not at all. Uh, will ye not also go away? How reckless. We'd say, perfectly reckless. Does the Lord never learn? I tell you, I tell you, if any man, any preacher today, would be in such a circumstance in which all the people left him, and twelve disciples were left, and one of them a devil, 
the whole church world at least would say there's something wrong with that man. The Lord doesn't say, oh no, he doesn't even wait. He doesn't even wait. Simply says, a negative, a negative question, a negative question. Won't you go away? And yet, beloved, how perfectly spiritual and psychological is that question provided you look at it in a spiritual way. If you count noses, if you think that the church is uh, estimated by the pound or by number, then of course the question of Jesus is altogether wrong. Uh, but if you look at it from the viewpoint of faith, uh, then the question is the only correct question. For in the first place, beloved, there is no danger. There is no danger whatsoever that faith will ever leave Jesus. No danger. That's impossible. Faith will never leave Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God of the Scriptures. Never will. Faith will always answer, always, as the apostles did, where shall we go? Where shall we go? We have nowhere to go. That's what the that's the meaning of the answer which I'll presently discuss with you a moment. And therefore, seeing that there is no danger that faith will ever leave Jesus, there is no danger, beloved, that faith will ever leave the truth. No danger. But there's more. Uh, this question is not only very safe for those that believe, uh, but it is also very salutary for anyone that has doubt in his mind, for the wavering, for the wavering. I tell you, uh, you approach uh, a child of God that is in doubt, uh, wavering. The Lord is asked uh, whether he really belongs to Jesus or does not. There are, there are people, uh, children of God that way. God there are. Always are. Always are. And you place them for, before this question. All right? You want to go away? You want to go away? 
We want to go into the world. Want to leave. Want to leave Christ. Want to leave the church. Want to leave the truth. And we'll go into the world. I sometimes said when I used to go family visitation, beloved, to people like that, why don't you go a week? Uh, why don't you go a whole week? Sunday included. Why don't you try it? Why don't you try to find out where you belong? Why don't you go to the theater and to the dance hall? Enjoy yourself. Drink yourself drunk. And enjoy yourself. Curse and swear. Say, damn you, I don't want anything of it anymore. Say that one. Be, be certain. And they'd look at me as if they thought I was crazy. They said to me, we cannot do that. We cannot do that. I said, you can't? Why not? You can't? Because you cannot leave Jesus, is that it? Oh yeah, they felt all right that they belonged to Jesus in the downright depth of their soul. They knew that they belonged to Jesus. Well, beloved, that's what, that's what Jesus meant to do with his disciples too. Peter, Thomas, John, and so on. Any doubt in your mind? Any doubt in your mind? Oh, there was one. There was one that should have spoken. Jesus meant him too. Jesus meant him too. Judas, he was there. He knew. He knew that he didn't belong to Jesus. It, it would have been much better for him. Even so much better that it would have been much better that a millstone had been hung, hung around his neck at this very moment, rather than stay with the disciples, would have been much better for him to say, Oh Lord, I know I don't belong with you. I don't have the faith. I belong with you to, to go by. That would have been much better. But he didn't. But, as far as the disciples were concerned, when they when they were put before that question, won't you also go away? Oh, they said immediately in their hearts, oh no. Go away? Go away what? Go away where? Go away with whom? And, as far as the contents of that question was concerned, Mr. Uh, beloved, it is very evident that it meant uh, go away like uh, the Galileans or stay with Jesus. What had those Galileans done? What had they done? Why did they leave Jesus? Because, beloved, they hungered for earthly bread and all that is connected with it. They hungered for the world. 
not for spiritual bread at all. That was their attitude. Very plainly. Give us always this bread, they said, but they meant earthly bread, prosperity, the full dinner pay, the world, glory, ambition, worldly ambition. That's what they meant. And the departure of the Galileans in the light of this question meant will you go away from me who has nothing but spiritual bread and choose the world and earthly bread they wanted power power kingship Glory, ambition, the word. Jesus stood alone. I alone. Choose me alone, without power, without any glory, as I am now, or choose the Galileans. Jesus stood in the small minority. Alone. The Galileans stood in the majority. If it was a question of voting, beloved, the disciples and Jesus would have been voted out. And therefore, when the Lord asked the disciples, Will ye not also go away? He meant, Go away from me. Go to the Galileans. I'll go away from me on the bread of life and the way of suffering and the way of the cross and the way of my death and the way of my resurrection and the way of my exaltation. I give you the bread of eternal life. I give it to you. I give it to you sovereignly Freely, without any, uh, without any effort of your own. It's not up to you. It's not up to anybody. All that the Father giveth unto me shall come unto me, and no one can come to me except the Father. Draw him, understand that? Sovereign grace, absolutely sovereign grace. Now then. Stay with me, Jesus, alone. Leave the majority, leave the crowd. Stay with the living bread. Stay with the truth concerning myself and concerning the sovereign grace of God. Or leave. Will you now also go away? Beloved, that is the question for you and me, not for me. I decided it, 
And it seems as if you decided it too by your being here. But nevertheless, a question that you must ask and answer. Uh, will you uh, go away from Christ? Uh, don't say, beloved, that that, uh, that is not a question here. Don't say that. Don't say that those that uh, uh, hated us and cast us out again uh, do not believe in Christ. Don't say that. Don't say that. Don't say that those that believe in conditions don't say that those that preach and that did preach God promises to every one of you salvation if you believe and don't depart from Christ don't say that they do they do there is no such Christ beloved The only Christ you and I have is the Christ of the Scriptures. And there is no Christ of the Scriptures that proclaims God promises to every one of you salvation if you believe. That is the standpoint of those uh, that are now in the other building. That's the standpoint. You know it is. Don't camouflage it. Don't, don't allow them to camouflage it either. That's, that's the fact. Let's, let's state it very clearly to them, beloved. I'm not lying. You know I'm not lying. That is the truth. They said and they maintained and they supported the doctrine that salvation is for every one of you if you believe. The promise, the promise of God is for every one of you if you believe. That's not Christ. It may look that way, beloved. If it, it may look as if by following them, you don't exactly go to hell, but you do. Oh, I don't say that everyone, that every individual that is there will go to hell, don't you believe it? But I say this, beloved. Uh, you know, I told you before, uh, stand at the switch in a railroad track and uh, you'll find that the two tracks departing from one, from one another. One, the one track, let us say, goes way to New Orleans. The other track goes way to, say, uh, Seattle. At the beginning, those two tracks are only an inch 
a half an inch, an eighth of an inch, a sixteenth of an inch apart. And you will probably say, doesn't make any difference what track I go on. There's so little difference. But, beloved, nevertheless, if you take the one track, you get to New Orleans. If you take the other track, you get to Seattle. Inevitably. So it is with the truth. Let me warn you, let me warn you, don't you ever play with the truth. Don't ever say, oh, the difference is so little, it makes uh, a little difference. Let us, let us compromise. Let's compromise. Don't you ever do that. The difference between the truth and departure from the truth, even a little, beloved, is the difference between the gospel and the lie, is the difference between Christ and the Antichrist, is the difference between heaven and hell. That's the difference. Exactly that. Nothing less. And therefore, if I say, beloved, will ye not also go away? I mean, will ye not go away with them that leave Christ? They do. Will ye not go away with them that leave the Christ of the Scriptures? They do. Will you not go away with them that leave the Christ that said, No man can come to me except the Father draw him. That was his gospel. That is the Christ. Another Christ there is not. Will you not also go away? It means, beloved, will you not also go away from Christ that takes you to everlasting life? To go away means to travel to everlasting hell. Nothing else. Just as important as that. Just as important as that. That church, I mean, that group, that's not a church. That group teaches that it depends on our effort whether we enter into the kingdom of God. Oh, I know they camouflage this business, but that's exactly what it means. When you say that our act of conversion is a prerequisite to enter the kingdom of God, you make the entering of the kingdom of into the kingdom of God dependent upon our act. And they mean that too, although they camouflage it now. They mean exactly that. Oh, they talk differently. They talk about the activity of faith. They talk about the responsibility of man. They talk about this and that, beloved. 
You know, when I hear those things, and when I hear all those things, I always think of the Latin phrase, ex leonum, that is, from the claw you recognize the lion. I'm always afraid when they talk about that stuff. Responsibility of man, that's not a problem. That's not a problem. Of course it isn't. Activity of faith, what nonsense is that? Anybody believe that faith is not active? Anybody believe that? Anybody believe that man is not responsible? What nonsense is that? That's nonsense, beloved. That's nonsense. And they speak, just because it is nonsense, they like to appeal that that stuff. And therefore I say once more, if you teach that our act of conversion is a prerequisite to enter the kingdom of God, as I protested against personally, and I called it before the consistory modernism, and modernism it is, modernism it is, don't ever think it is anything else, it's modernism. Any, anyone teaches that, beloved, does not teach the Christ. Not the Christ. The Christ says, we are translated by the Spirit of God out of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son without any effort of our own. Efforts are the fruit, not the condition. Now, you understand? Will you also go away? Oh, in 1924, when I preached this same sermon, beloved, there were also in my audience that stayed with us. There were. They are there now. Those same people are there now. I asked them, in 1924, will you also go away? Uh, they're there now. Some of them are in the consistory. Some of them are in the congregation. They're there now. They didn't go away, but they should have. They should have. The church is not a fish hatchery. The church is the body of Christ. The body of believers. Believers in Christ Jesus our Lord. And it's safe to say, it's the only, the only safe attitude to preach any time, beloved, any time, especially at the time of crisis. Will ye not go away? Make up your mind before God and before the church. Oh, the disciples made up their mind. Of course they did. They had faith. They had faith. Except Judas. Should have. He should have gone. But the disciples did. Without, without any hesitation, beloved, they made up their mind. 
And they didn't ask the Lord. And that's the same thing with you. Same thing with you. I tell you, if you need any time to decide on the question will you go away, do you need any time? Make up your mind? You better go. The disciples didn't have it. Peter didn't say to the Lord, Oh Lord, give us one time. You say that. Give us a day or two. Give us a week to decide. Oh, no, no, no. On the spur of the moment, he said, Where shall we go? Where shall we go? Don't you see? Where shall we go? We have no place to go. Every kind of be with thee, Lord. We have no place to go. That's the choice. The choice of faith. The sure. The inevitable choice of faith. Where shall we go? We want to stay with thee, by all means. No matter whether everybody leaves thee, no matter whether we stand all alone, oh, it just make a difference. But really, Lord, we didn't choose. We didn't choose. We can't help it. We can't help it. Thou chose, thou chosest us. Thou gavest us the faith. Thou doest us to thyself, we can help it. Get on. Oh, it's a conscious choice, all right. Oh, yes, we choose. Oh, Lord, we choose. But it's, after all, thine own choice. Let it be that for you two. Otherwise, no good. Let it be that. And why? Why, beloved? Oh, Peter said, any, it's remarkable how clearly it flashed through his mind all of a sudden. I think he didn't even understand all he said at that moment. Why? Peter didn't, he was, Peter didn't simply say, Oh, Lord, no, where should we go? We can't stay with the Galileans. We must go with thee. No, he had a reason to. Had a reason to. Thou hast the words of eternal life. That was the reason. Christ. I don't have to explain that, beloved. Oh, that's, uh, as there's a cause. A wealth, a wealth of uh, thought, a wealth of riches of spiritual grace in these words. Thou hast the words of eternal life. Eternal life. Life for man is the entrance into 
and the living and dwelling in God's covenant is tabernacle. That's life. That's life. Life is the fellowship with the living God. Life is to know God as He is known, to see Him face to face, to have Him talk to us, to hear Him say, Thou art my son, thou art my daughter, nay, thou art my friend. That's life. And worse, and eternal life is that life on the highest possible exponent. Heavenly life, glorious life. The life that is to come. And Jesus had words of eternal life. Words of eternal life? Oh, sure, there are words that proclaim eternal life. I can do that too. I do that now, beloved. I speak words that proclaim eternal life. And the Lord did so too. He did the same thing. He did so. But he did much more. When the Apostle Peter said, Thou hast the words of eternal life, he meant, beloved, Thou proclaimest the words of eternal life, yes, but thou speakest them by thy powerful word so that we hear them and receive them in our hearts efficaciously. That's what the Lord does. That's what he does to you this morning. Does he? He does. He does to his church, beloved. He does to his church. Hear him? Hear the words of Jesus say, Come unto me and rest and have eternal life. It doesn't make any difference whether I say that, but when Jesus says that, beloved, the Lord, the Son of God, who has the power of speaking the words of eternal life, then you hear and rejo- you rejoice and you say, Oh God, I dwell in thy house and I hear, I hear thee say, Thou art my son, my daughter, my friend. He does that through my preaching this morning to your comfort. You have the gospel. You have the gospel. The gospel of Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God that can speak 
the dust speak, birds of eternal life. Now must quit. Be best to say, beloved, where shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we, we believe and know or acknowledge. It says in English, we believe and are sure. It's better to say we believe and know. Know by experience. Just like the Dutch. Verbe geloofd en bekend. Dat gij zij de Christus, de Zoon des levende Gods. We have believed and known, recognized, acknowledged that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Beloved, that's faith. And Christ is the choice of faith. Faith because it is the gift of God. Faith because it is spiritual knowledge of Christ. Spiritual knowledge. Not intellectual knowledge, but the knowledge of the knowledge of experience, the knowledge of the taste of Christ. The knowledge of everlasting life. Faith is confidence. Confidence that all our sins are forgiven. That we cast ourselves on Christ. Without doubt, without wavering, cast ourselves on Him for time and eternity. And then, how is it possible? Having that knowledge, having that faith, having that confidence in Jesus Christ our Lord, having that tie that binds us to Him, having that spiritual means whereby we are engrafted into Christ. How is it possible then that the question can be dangerous? Will you also go away? Is not the answer always? And is it not your answer? Lord, to shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe. That's all. Amen. We thank thee, Lord, for thy gospel. For thy truth. We pray, sanctify it unto us. Speak thou thine own word unto us. And lead us in the way everlasting. Amen. I decided, because of peculiar circumstances, not to go all east. I'll stay with you for a while, anyway. Hope to preach every Sunday, possible. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The love of God. And the communion of the Holy Spirit abide with you. Amen.